Good morning. I am Pastor Kendall. That sounds weird to say. Oh, Pastor Kendall. Good uh, morning. Welcome here. Um, this is my first time preaching in front of like adults. So, I mean, unless you're like sitting with your kids, but then I just talk to your kids. So, you're really big and really still. It's kind of weird, but we'll adjust. We'll adjust. This morning, as you saw in that fun little video, uh, where our sermon series has been juiced. And so, that's the fruits of the spirits we've been talking through. Um, so, what comes out of us when we get squeezed? What comes out of us when life is tough, tiring, stressful? Is it the fruit of the spirit of Jesus that's flowing out of you? Or is it the stuff that you don't want? Is it the bad stuff, the angry stuff, the impatient stuff, the stuff that you don't want? Is that what you're filling yourself up with? And then is that what's flowing out of you? And so, we've talked about love. We've talked about joy, gentleness, and peace. And today, we're going to process together faithfulness. Now, of all the topics... This is, this is my topic, this is my jam, because if you're into personality tests, on the Enneagram, I am a one. Uh, oh, there's some reactions already from that. Um, I'm a beaver that's recently started been turning into a lion, which I don't know how I feel about that, but that's what's happening. And then if you're into Myers-Briggs, I'm a ESTJ. Yeah, Lauren. Um, if you're not into personality tests, basically that means that I'm generally a task-oriented person who's really, really type A, and I really, really like rules. And I'm more annoyed than I should be that we haven't gone through the fruits of the Spirit in the proper order that they're listed in Galatians 5. <laughs> when Matt was asking what topic I wanted, I was like, well, what order is it? What's, what's the day? And he was like, well, I don't know. Just pick one. And I was like, but which one is it going to be? Which order is it going to be? So I don't know. Just pick what you want. Oh, that was really hard for me. <laughs> so that's, that's where I'm coming from. I love following rules. I'm excellent at it. I like knowing my boundaries, what they are, why those are my boundaries. That's important. I like to know why. The why is important for me, and I, if it makes sense to me, if it's logical, you give me a list, checks out to me, I'll be faithful to it. I'll follow it. Faithfulness. This is also why, because of my personality, the story of Mary and Martha is basically, I don't like it. It's the worst. Uh, because I'm such, I'm such a Martha, it's a little bit painful. So we're going to read it together, why don't we? Um, so it's found in Luke 10. If you have your Bibles or on your devices, you can turn there to Luke 10. Um, we'll be reading verse 38 to 42. That's Luke 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So like I said, I'm a Martha. I'm determinedly faithful. In July, I told this story at day camp, and as a part of it, I gave all these kids these different jobs. So there was kids sweeping and kids picking up garbage, and then I gave this one group a bucket of plastic fruit and a water bottle and just like some paper towel, and had to, they had to prepare it. They had to wash the fruit because Jesus was coming. And so we had a few minutes of frantically preparing because Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, we need to be ready. And then after a few minutes, I gathered everyone back in, and then this one grade five girl was like, no, I'm not done, just wait, I can finish, I can wash the fruit. She's panicking. And I just laughed and I sighed and I was like, oh, you're such a Martha. Don't worry, I am too, we can get through this together. 
So faithfulness includes obedience. To be faithful to God is to obey him consistently, but somehow Martha missed the point of faithfulness amidst her obedience. She opened her home to Jesus. If anyone is faithful, you'd think that it would be Martha. You'd think that it would be her. She's doing the right thing. She's faithful to the task, you know, girl after my own heart. But only in her attempt to be faithfully practicing hospitality, she actually forgot that hospitality has very little to do with your food or your preparations and everything to do with just welcoming people into your life. And in her particular case, welcoming Jesus into her life. And in turn, she was actually not even practicing hospitality at all and ended up being unfaithful to him. She did everything right. She was trying to do the proper thing, and yet somehow she missed it. And that sounds like something I would totally do. So what does it actually look like to be faithful? If we read through the Old Testament, I see that it's essentially a compilation. Compilation? I've been struggling with this word. Is that how you say it? Compilation? Compilation. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. It's a compilation of the unfaithfulness of Israel. Each time they get squeezed, you think, maybe this time. Maybe they'll remember everything that God's done for them. And maybe they do for a little bit. And then unfaithfulness squeezes out of them like a fountain, over and over. The Old Testament is essentially a compilation of the unfaithfulness of Israel, yes, contrasted with the faithfulness of God. So we see this summarized in Deuteronomy 7, verses 8 and 9 which I'll read. Because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to you to your forefathers that he brought you out of the mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of the Pharaoh king of Egypt, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. So what does this passage define as faithful? What do we see through this? We see that he kept his oath. There's a commitment there that he made. And we also see it's an oath that he swore to their forefathers, and then verse 9, that it was a covenant of love to a thousand generations. There's a consistency here, a long-term consistency. Faithfulness as keeping a commitment and being consistent. Oh, is this okay? Okay, cool. So I think we can use those two things and ask... What am I being faithful to? Ask, what am I committed to? What am I consistent in? If you have social media, I can probably tell by the things that you post about what you're faithful to, just on what you're posting. I titled this sermon Facebook Official. Uh, well, I actually thought it was funny to see Facebook Official and then Pastor Kendall on the bulletin. I was like, oh, it's so official. If you don't know what that means, if you're like a little too old or maybe too young, because I think Facebook is kind of dead to the younger generation, younger than me generation, up and coming, I guess. Um, basically, it means that you are, it's so official that you're willing to change your status on Facebook and tell people about it. It's so official that you would tell everyone about it, and it's not actually official until it's on Facebook. That's when you know it's serious. That's when you know you're committed. So for me, if I look at, the, at my life, if I answer the questions, what am I committed to, what am I consistent in, I could say that I faithfully watch The Grinch every single Christmas. Not the cartoon one, the action one, the live action one. That's my favorite. I watch it probably ten times, faithfully. I faithfully check Instagram every day. I faithfully watch Netflix pretty much every day. I faithfully pay my bills. There's lots of things that I do consistently, and I think those things show what I'm faithful to. 
Now, not all of them are bad. Paying my bills is definitely a good thing, right? It's good to be consistently doing that. But remember Martha. None of the things that she was doing were in itself bad, but the issue came when it came to prioritize what she was most faithful to and when it came to why she was faithful to those things. She was so worried and upset about all the tasks that she actually had enough boldness to go up to Jesus himself and essentially tattle on her sister. So think of the exodus of Israel in the Old Testament. They're wandering the desert. God is faithful in his promise to free them from slavery in Egypt. And they return his faithfulness with complaining. He's literally sending water up from the earth and manna from the sky, keeping his commitment. He is faithful to them, but they're discontent. And in their discontentment, they no longer see God's faithfulness, but they only see their desires and their worries, just like Martha, and she only saw her worries. And so I think that often the root of our unfaithfulness from something that even we've something we've committed to comes from just that, from discontentment, dissatisfaction, discomfort, and disappointment. There's a lack of trust and a lack of faith on our part, and from that lack, we want something else. We know God's faithful, but it isn't quite how we envisioned it. Israel envisioned living fruitfully and easily after God had freed them from Egypt. I'm sure Martha envisioned this perfect dinner party with all the fancy cheeses and everybody using all the right forks and maybe Jesus praising her for how great her dinner party was. But the issue is, when we're being squeezed, Israel in the Exodus, Martha with her dinner party and probably some sister issues, when we're being squeezed and we turn to something else, there's nothing we can turn to instead that will satisfy. It seemed better to Israel to turn back to slavery than to be faithful to God. That seemed to be what would satisfy them. And we may not be turning to slavery, but we're turning to all sorts of felt needs or cravings or desires or longings, in a word, temptations. And when we give into those worries or those discontentments and disappointments, when we turn away from God's consistency, and when we turn to our temptations, temptation only brings temporary satisfaction. While faithfulness in God brings eternal fulfillment. I'll say that again. Temptation only brings temporary satisfaction, while faithfulness in God brings eternal fulfillment. And that eternal fulfillment, it's more than having an easy life. It's more than throwing a perfect dinner party or having a good job or a good education or being great at music or sports or really good friendships or a family who loves you or a marriage or any marriage at all. It's being fully fulfilled in Christ who when you accept him makes you new, makes you into who you were actually created to be. And when you cre- know that you're created to love God and to be loved by him, and you can let that love flow out of you in faithfulness, that is fulfillment. So how do we do this? How do we live faithfully? It's how do we be committed? How do we be consistent? It's been said in this series, and I'm going to say it again, you can't. You can't. Faithfulness is to flow out of you like the very life breath in your lungs that was put there by the power of the Spirit. And that same Spirit, that same breath that put life in you wants to put Jesus' faithfulness in you. And faithfulness isn't a demand to pour out yourself. It's pouring out Jesus consistently. And in order to do that, we need to take him in. We need to spend time with him consistently. Fill yourself up with him so he can pour out of you. 
So what did Jesus' faithfulness look like? If you read through the Gospels, you can see a few things. We can see that he spent time with the Father in prayer consistently. We can see that he put the needs of others before his own consistently. We see that he pointed every single person he had an encounter with to God consistently. He had a close group of people that he taught and he mentored to be faithful disciples consistently. He wasn't too busy for the things that mattered consistently, and he was willing to put the will of God above his own discontentment, his own dissatisfaction, discomfort, disappointment, consistently, even to the point of death on a cross. Faithfulness. Jesus was consistently committed to the mission of God, and that is what flowed out of him. He filled himself up with the faithful one who has promised to bring restoration, to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, and therefore that is what flowed out of him. So what about us? Do you spend time in prayer consistently? One practice that Matt has taught us is journaling, right? The soap. So you read scripture, you write down some observations, you write down some application, and then you pray. For me personally, writing it down and writing it out provides some accountability to consistency. So when I open up my journal and I go, oh, it's been that long. Okay. It provides an accountability, the writing it down part. That's important to me. And then I can also look back and see where God's been working and what God's been saying to me that I maybe didn't even realize at the time, but I have hindsight that I can look back with. However that looks like for you, however you spend time in prayer, do you do it consistently? Next, do you see the, lo- the needs of those around you and actually do something about it? And do you even do it consistently? Do you do it at all, but do you do it consistently? The colors here, right, they've promoted world vision. Like they said, we're a compassion church. That's an opportunity that you were just given today. Maybe you already have a child. When was the last time you wrote that child? That could maybe just be the challenge for you today. Because I have been to a compassion place in Peru, and I went, and I, it was hard going and visiting them and seeing their homes and the realities that they lived in, but the hardest place for me to be when I was there was the letter room. When you saw how many people wrote letters and how many people didn't write letters. And the kids got your money, and it was great, but they didn't get your letters, and they felt, why doesn't my sponsor love me? It's more than a physical need that you can meet by sponsoring a child. That's a need that you have been shown today that you can perhaps meet consistently. There are emotional and social needs that we have of parents who are brand new who are just really, really tired and need sleep, of seasoned parents who just don't know what to do because their kids are teenagers and their brains are mush of hormones. There's empty nesters. There's students who are preparing for their future and all the millions of choices and opportunities that they have. Young adults in needs of family, people who've lost somebody recently or a long time ago and it's still really hard. Everyone has a need like this. The people sitting around you have these needs. Do you see them? Do you know what they are? The people that you sit to every Sunday, that you sit next to. And do you try and meet them consistently? And there are some serious needs in Calgary, and so we have the Mustard Seed, or we have Chill, and these are great organizations that learn about them, get involved with them, they're good, but you don't even need to be a part of them to know that there's serious needs in this city. All you have to do is go to Walmart or go to Chinook Mall, and you see people with the cardboard signs all the time. And so, every time I go to Walmart on 130th, I pray for Cody. Cody's a guy that I went and I gave a Dollarama gift card to, and that's something that I do. I carry around Dollarama gift cards because I used to consistently ignore those people with the cardboard signs. 
I saw the need and I consistently ignored it. And I knew in my heart that I was being unfaithful. And so I have these cards because I'm uncomfortable with giving cash. And so I give the card. And it's actually something that's given me boldness to be able to walk up to them. Sometimes I don't even end up giving it to them if they don't really ask for money in the end, and I just talk to them. But I pray for Cody, and when I pray for Cody, I pray, yes, that someone will meet his needs for today, but more than that, I pray that today someone will see him, that someone will ask his name, that he'll know today that he has value and worth, because he just gets looked over every day. People buy him coffee, and that's great. Yes, do that. But that's something that I've done. That Dollarama gift card has actually given me so much more boldness and has allowed me to be consistent and faithful in a way that I wasn't before. And that's just something for my everyday life. When it comes up, it's a little step, but it's something that I can do. Next, you point everyone you encounter to God. Everyone you encounter to God, even when it's not what's correct. And I think we've become so timid to share our faith It's this balancing act, right, not to scare people away. And in that, we've often actually allowed ourselves to be unfaithful to the mission of God. Because instead, we're actually more faithful to the comfort of our happy friendships and our happy interactions. And so then the discomfort of sharing our faith has pushed us to unfaithfulness. And I say this because I do it. Because when people ask me what I do, they, it's really easy for me. What do you do? Oh, I'm a children's pastor. Oh, you're a Christian. Like it's, like it's an easy, easy thing for me to do. That if you have a different job, it doesn't just come up like that. But for me, it comes up every time someone asks me what I do. And so our neighbor, she asked me what I did, told her, and she goes, oh, and starts asking questions about what I think about things and what I believe, and she goes, I'm just so fascinated with religion. And in that moment, I had an opportunity to share with her about Jesus. She invited it, and I didn't even take it. I was so worried about having this comfortable friendship with our new neighbor that I allowed the discomfort to push me to unfaithfulness. I'm not consistent. So don't hear me say that there's no value in getting to know people first before you just go and shove the Bible down their throats. But don't let that be your scapegoat. Don't allow discomfort to push you to unfaithfulness. Next, you have time for things, the people that matter, and do you have time for it consistently? The fruit of faithfulness in a really rapid pace, full of choices, short-term commitment kind of society that we live in is difficult at the best of times, never mind when you're being squeezed and you feel like you're at your wit's ends. Does your schedule have margins? Do your decisions have margins for faithfulness? Because if your schedule is packed so tight, even intentionally tight with really, really good things, that you've left no room for the things that God has planned that you might not know about yet. That you might have no room because you have all these things to do and you get so, so busy that you turn into Martha and you're doing all the right things and you're following all the right tasks that you don't even notice the person sitting right there. Maybe that's a child. Maybe that's your coworker. Maybe it's a friend. And are you intentionally discipling specific individuals and are you doing that consistently? If you're a committed follower of Jesus, who are you discipling? And if you don't have an answer to that, it doesn't really matter how many Bible studies you go to, it doesn't matter how much you tithe, you're missing it. You need to have an answer to that. If you don't have an answer to that, find it. Ask God to give you a name. This is a small, small, in no way comprehensive list But it's a big five things that I can summarize as 
having a consistently growing relationship with God, being filled with the Spirit, and then living missionally in word and deed consistently, letting the Spirit pour out of you. Look like Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's where the name Christian, Little Christ, comes from. People weren't starting to be called Little Christ because they were occasionally kind or because they even consistently went to the temple. They were being called Little Christ because they were consistently acting like Jesus. I could keep going. I could keep giving you examples. I could give you a long list of the things Jesus did, and then we can compare whether or not we do them, but I'm not going to do that because as we saw with the story of Mary and Martha, it's so much more than that. And if that's what you limit faithfulness to, if it's a list of do's and don'ts, you've missed it too. But faithfulness does require action. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is consistently filling yourself up with the Spirit so you can consistently live the life that Jesus has called you to and to which you have committed. And when you mess up, which we will, which I do, consistently turning back and filling yourself up with him again so he can pour out of you. And that's a beautiful, way more accurate picture of repentance than we're used to. Turn to him. Fill yourself up with him. Faithfulness. So what does it mean to be a faithful people, a faithful church community? Are we filling ourselves up with the Spirit as a body? I'd say yes, that's largely what Sunday mornings are for. That's what we're here. We come, we worship, we receive, we commune. That's a big one. It can't be the only way, but it's a big one to gather with believers consistently. Do we see the needs of those around us and do we actually do something about them? What are the needs of the Minderpore area? We've talked about this as we were getting ready to move in this building and now it's time to actually take some serious action into that. What do you see as the needs of Minipore area? Do we point everyone we encounter to God? How are we engaging this community and do they know why beyond the fact that Christian people like to do good things so that they think that we're nice? Do they know why? Are we intentionally discipling specific individuals as a body? I would say that that's happening right now in this exact moment. The fact that I'm on this stage talking to adults. Matt is intentionally discipling me. He's intentionally developing me. I am intentionally developing a group of leaders in kids' church who are intentionally developing kids who we are teaching to do the same thing. That's what our youth ministry is for. That's what our small groups are supposed to be doing. That's why we filter everything through guiding people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think we're doing it. Are we doing it perfectly? Are there ways for us to improve and increase? Yes, of course. But I do think that it's happening here in this place and in this community. I think we have some questions to ask, especially as we're settling into this community, but I think we're doing it. What does it mean for you to be a faithful person? committed and consistent to restoration, to being the light of Jesus to the world and revealing his kingdom, to showing people why the good news is so good, to God's mission. What does it mean to be faithful in your family, in your immediate family, in your extended family? That's easier for some than it is for others. For some, it feels like your family is really, really where you're getting squeezed and it's so, so hard to be faithful. And for some, your immediate family is the only thing you're faithful to. What does it mean to be faithful in your workplace or in your school? The place where you're not really supposed to be faithful. The place where you're supposed to put it aside, right? The realities of this look different for every job and in every school, but within whatever that looks like for you, 
You can't put it aside and be consistent and be faithful. Don't fill yourself up with Jesus only to hold it all in at work. Be faithful however you can. Be faithful. How are you faithful in your neighborhoods? We did a whole neighboring series on this. You can go back and listen to that if you feel like that's an area that you really need to address in your life. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I haven't made a commitment. This doesn't really apply to me because you're saying faithfulness includes commitment. I haven't made it. I'm not sure about it. No matter what you choose or maybe what you've chosen in the past, God's committed. No matter what you choose, God is consistent. No matter what you choose, God is like the father whose son ran away to go live the life however he wanted it and then one day came home expecting the worst but then got welcomed not with a lecture, not with disappointment, but with love and grace. No matter what you choose, God is faithful. You can choose something else. That's your right. God gave you that right. He made you. He knows you. He loves you. He died on the cross so that we could be close to him. He did that for us all and that includes you, even if you haven't made that choice. You can turn to other things. You can be faithful to other things because we're all faithful to something, God or otherwise. But none of those things will fulfill you like asking God to come into your life and make you the person that he has created you to be. Nothing. No job, no friendships, no amount of money or marriage or kids or grandkids, nothing. Because one day all of that's going to fade away and the only thing that will be consistent is Jesus. Nothing is consistent and committed like Jesus. And God isn't faithful to us because we deserve it. He's faithful to us because he's committed and he's consistent. And I can assure you, if you choose to be faithful to God, he will be faithful to you. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but God will be faithful. Faithful to the promise of restoration. Faithful to victory over sin and death. Faithful to true and right justice beyond our wildest hopes or imagination. Fulfillment in ways you didn't even know you needed right down to your soul. And that you can always count on. That is faithfulness. And it's only found in Jesus. And I pray you choose to be faithful to Jesus. So I'm going to invite the color to come up as they close. They're going to lead us in a final song. And while they do, I want to leave you with this. If you're committed, but you're feeling like you're in that place of discontentment, dissatisfaction, discomfort, disappointment, and you know you've been unfaithful, which that includes me, or maybe you're still not sure about committing, I'd encourage you to just start with letting God be faithful to you. Just start there. Start by letting him pour into you and just see what he's going to do. Let Jesus pour into you. His faithfulness is unchanging, it's unending, it's full of love, and we can find a million reasons not to say yes to Jesus. But few of those things are needed, or indeed only one. Only Jesus. Great is the faithfulness of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much that you are consistent, that you are committed, that no matter how many times we turn away, you are always there waiting with wide open arms, ready for us to come home, ready for us to be who you created us to be. And so we pray that we would make that choice to run to you, to be filled up with you, God, and just let that pour out. And in those places where we're discontent, where we're uncomfortable, just fill us up, let it overflow, God. It's not us, it's you pouring out. And so I pray that we would just turn 
to you, God. Fill ourselves with you, and Lord, pour out of us like a fountain. In Jesus' name.